Good morning. Happy, happy Tuesday to you all. Hope you are doing well. I'm Todd Brinker. Aaron will be joining us shortly. This is Back from the Brink. This is our after show from On the Brink Radio, uh, the morning show on KCA Radio, 1050 AM, 106.5 and 102.3 FM in the Inland Empire. Uh, so if you're in the San Bernardino area, southern San Bernardino County, northern Riverside County, you can listen live from 6 to 7 a.m. Pacific time. Um, and then we are here from 7 to 8, so I hope that you have joined us. Um, one of the things we were talking about as we went to the break was um, uh, the, well, let's see, what was Erin talking about? She went on, uh, or not went on, she had talked about a the president of Portugal saving some people who were kayaking in the ocean and helped out. And that made me think about something I did. Watch, I watched this weekend. I watched um, the Eco Challenge race. Uh, it's hosted by Bear Grylls, and there is a series and uh, multiple episodes of it. I, I believe it's on uh, Hulu, um, and it is very interesting. Um, they say it is the uh, it is the uh, t- world's toughest race. And um, I'm sorry, it's on Amazon. It's on Amazon Prime. And it is it has to be completed within 11 days. They have um, checkpoints throughout the race along the way. But about every three days, you have a timed checkpoint that you have to arrive there by a certain time on day three, five, you know, three, six, nine, something like that. So um, and if your if your team doesn't get there by that time, then you're then you have to drop out. So you have to maintain a specific pace and it's not easy. Um, There are like 80 teams that set off and each of these are four person teams. Um, I saw one team that was um, all women. I did not see any teams that were all men. So I think they all have at least one woman on the team and uh the, the, the world champion team for um, this type of race, this adventure racing, is uh, a New Zealand team. And uh, I won't spoil it for you, but they're in this race as well, as are a couple other New Zealand teams, some Aussie teams, a bunch of USA teams. There's teams from India. There's teams from Brazil, uh, Spain, and uh, some very competitive teams. There's teams in the middle of the pack. And then there's those teams you're pulling for at the back end, you know, a team of retirees that are all – in their mid to late 60s who have been doing this for years and this is sort of like their last hurrah. Now this Eco Challenge race was something that was sort of the beginning of of uh, this type of adventure racing and then they stopped doing it. So this was sort of a, they brought it back. I think 2002 was the last time they did it. So it's been quite a long time. It's been 17 or 18 years since they did it and they videotaped it. And it's really interesting. Here's Aaron. Hola. Me llamo Estai. ¿Dónde está? <laughs> la música, la música de la cheap trick. Um, boop. We've lost her. Oh, now you're, now you're back. I'm sorry. 
you you dropped out for a second. Oh, we got we got submarine sounds, and I'm I'm t- I was started talking to you, and then I got this beep 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 like <laughs> you're pinging, no, you know. Away from the radio station, so my phone was trying to get on the Wi-Fi as I'm driving uh, away. And, and like, then it switched. Wait, yeah, it's gone. Yeah, so. that's it. So I was I, I had started talking a little bit about you know you were talking about the uh, president of Portugal saving somebody in a kayak this weekend. I started watching the um, world's toughest race, the uh, Eco Challenge that they did last year uh, for the first time in 17 years, and it's the the, the show's on uh, Amazon Prime. And it's hosted by Bear Grylls, who I'm not a huge fan of, but uh, but you know, in the world of like adventure stuff, he's 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 a big name. And this is adventure racing at its epic. Um, I mean, it's it's a an 11 day race if you, you know, as a minimum, if you can go faster, you go faster. Uh, but it's um, uh, they have checkpoints along the way, and there's multiple checkpoints each day. But at like day three, at day six, and it, or maybe it's day five and day seven or nine or something like that, they have deadline checkpoints where if you don't get there by a certain time on on a certain day, then you have to drop out. So you have to keep a certain pace as you chug through because they don't have the infrastructure to keep people on the racetrack for the 650 or so kilometers that they race through Fiji. And if you've never looked at anything that talks about the geography of Fiji, it's a mountainous island with jungles. Wow. <laughs> and, and it's the rain and mud and, and rivers and flooding and mountains and, you know, cliffs that they have to climb up and climb down. And it, it just it, it earned its its badge, its moniker as the world's toughest race. It's insane. No kidding. Absolutely insane. And they, you know, like I said, if you go at the minimum required pace, it's an 11 day race. Um, uh, the winners, uh, I won't give away who wins it, but it's, um, you can look it up online cause this was done last September. Um, it, uh, you know, they do it in like five days and change, wow. which is insane. And there are, there are like, like 70 and hundred kilometer stretches where you're, you're paddling and or sailing out across open ocean in the Pacific to get to another wow. island to do, cause there's all these little bitty islands around the main island of Fiji kind of start on one and move uh, west towards another. And it's, it, is, it is really interesting, and there's lots of interesting stories. There's a group of people who have been doing these type of um, uh, races for 35 years, and they're all in their mid to late 60s, and they're out there trying it. There's a guy who's like a legend in the sport who's got early-onset Alzheimer's in his 60s, and he's, he's racing with his son, uh, and it's going to probably be his last race. Um, you know, there's uh, a couple twin sisters from India who who are leading a team, and there's some first-time racers. There are uh, a guy they refer to, uh, a New Zealander they refer to as sort of the Michael Jordan of the sport, who, who he and his team are just, you just watch them, and they just, like a well-oiled machine. They, they obviously know how much they can push each other and how they can, how they can keep going, and, you know, they, they don't, nothing flusters them, just calm and cool and collected it's it's um uh you know there's like professional level teams and then there's like the rookies who are like well i thought it would be fun let's go give it a try you know wow (laughs) let's go down to new zealand and torture ourselves for 11 days uh um 
there's a team that had to drop out because they made a wrong turn and spent eight hours in the water, and when they got out, they had trench foot and infections, and they couldn't stand up. Oh, um, my God. I mean, yeah. I, it, it's, it's, they push each other in ways that is just beyond human endurance. It's amazing, amazing to watch. Uh, not to mention, you know, slips and falls as you're spelunking around, you know, caves and, and up and down um, uh, cliffs. And so there's a lot of people that get injured and drop out. And I mean, there's nothing horribly graphic when you're watching it. So, uh, you know, it's not like you, you are nauseated by this. But uh, um, one of the stronger teams early on had to had to kind of uh, pull back a bit because one of their people just got heat exhaustion or heat, heat stroke and they were concerned that he, they were going to have to drop out and get him to a, to a hospital um, but he managed to recover and, and get back in you know in good health over the course of the first day and they literally were like carrying him around to get him through and you know they, they dropped from like first place at the start to, to 15th or no, I think they dropped all the way down to like 47th place um, at one point so I mean you know just lots of human drama and it's very interesting to see people go out and challenge themselves like that. Not something I necessarily um, ever plan to do. Although I gotta say, even though there's no way on earth I'm in any condition to do anything at all like that, watching it, you go like, I'd like to do something like that. You know, it'd be fun if they had like just a weekend kind of thing. Now, your brother does something like this, doesn't he? He does the Spartan races and he's gone all over the country uh, doing Spartan races, um, which is like, they're obstacle courses and, and you know, through the mud and over the hills and, you know, all uh -huh. that kind of stuff. Sounds uh, but similar, but they have yes. more of a defined course as opposed to kind of the wilderness adventure racing where there's also a lot of orienteering going on. They're given a map and a compass and said, go for it. And you're not yes. allowed, in, in the adventure racing, you're not allowed to use uh, any uh, modern technology. So no, no GPSs, no, you know, it's all, you know, figure it out on your own with a compass in your hand and a map which is why some of the teams get lost. So he he does a lot of he does a lot of hiking and he does long trails. Mm -hmm. So he'll do 12 15 miles um, you know in a day. Uh, and I know that the big through hikers do closer between they do 25 to 30 miles in a day. Um, but he doesn't do like with a machete in the jungle kind right. of right. hiking. Yeah, so this is more of a defined course as opposed to the adventure racing where they're saying, go that direction. There's a jungle between here and there. It's on the other side somewhere in five days. We'll see you over there. <laughs> yes, you know. yes. Um, Although, you know what? I, I, you know, he's, he's gotten crazy ideas before, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't put yeah. it past him. I, I, it, it seems like a baby step from one to the next, you know? I mean, yes. it really does. Uh I'm looking at the Spartan Racing website now and, and showing their uh, their stuff. It's, uh, it seems like Joe Rogan's big in this world, too. He's got oh. uh, some advertising going on here or something, so I don't know. But, uh, yeah, SoCal Spartan what? Ultra 50K Beast 21K and Sprint 5K weekend on October 16th, 2021 in Lebec, California. So this is next October. Yes, because I want to make sure that there's COVID is in your rear view before they yeah. get out there and spend the money to promote and all of that, I'm sure. Yeah, they show one in March of 2021 is sort of the next one that's, that's up, but they've got them in here backwards. So March is at the bottom of the list instead of at the top. <laughs> October is at the top instead of the bottom. And then they've got December in the middle so and January in the middle. Oh, these guys are crazy. 
Come on. Don't you know how to make a list? Obviously, they're crazy. They go out running and jumping over stuff for fun. Um, January 23rd, 2021 in San Bernardino, the SoCal Spartan Super 10K and Sprint 5K weekend. There you go. That's in January. That's in January. Can I tell you where it is? You can start training. Well, San Bernardino. Uh, I know. (laughs) I'm looking right now. Can be a little more specific? I'm 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 guessing it's out of Glen Helen. I'm looking for more information. Let's see. This is our signature race type, fast-paced adventure through rugged terrain built for new and returning racers alike, the perfect getaway or gateway into the world of Spartan. The Sprint Spartan Trifecta eligible event. The event is subject to the review from the San Bernardino Health Department, COVID-19 pandemic, blah, blah, blah. Event details. Uh, we try to accommodate as many people as we can. How do I think I start time? What are the chances for Spartan race? Yada, race yada. schedule, race photos. <laughs> San Bernardino, Glen Helen Regional Park. Yeah, there, there we go. go. I, I figured, I'm like, where else would they have it? I was just curious. Yeah, unless they um, did it like somewhere in the mountains, you know, just to make it yes. like even more fun, and like thin air. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, let's create. Let's go crazy and not breathe. Um, they have a kids race. That's the one I want to sign up for. I could probably do the yeah, kids I, race. Yeah, Todd. I think um, no, that's probably not for you. Yeah, I was gonna say I could probably do the kids race and still come in last. Um, but I could do it. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's January. This is August. If you want to, if you were, if you were truly motivated, you could start thinking about it now and say, "Okay, I'm going to train for that now." You know, now over uh-huh. hill and Dale and 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 Dale's other brother Dale and uh, you know, go crazy like your brother. I'm not saying you. I'm saying I'm, I'm talking to myself here. I'm thinking, you know, oh, oh you have to climb wow. a wall and ding a bell. What could be more fun than that? There's a great. He has. T- Monty has a great picture of himself emerging out of the mud because uh, they have to go under things too. I mean, oh yeah, really they show him crawling like, under barbed wire. Yes, exactly. That's a exactly. Bad, bad way to stand up. Let me tell you. <laughs> Can you imagine the scrapes on your back from that? Oh yeah, they're picking up like big, heavy metal kettleballs and carry them from one spot to another in parts of the race. It's it's a, it's a overall throw spears. This is like an overall challenge. This is. This is sort of like um, you watch uh, some of those those you know like Ultimate Warrior TV shows and stuff. This is kind of like that kind of challenge, that kind totally. of thing. It's just totally. go out, challenge yourself to do crazy stuff: crawl over, crawl under, throw, pick up, lift, growl, grunt, get dirty, sweaty, <laughs> disgusting, and uh, and come home exhausted and happy. You know, and in, and in need of penicillin because yeah. you don't know what was in that mud. Yeah, so. and well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, but it's funny. I look at these pictures and they show people doing all of these incredibly difficult things. You know, lifting giant rocks and and climbing over hills and throwing spears and picking up giant heavy weights and crawling under barbed wire. And in every single case, the people have like a grin on their face, like this is so much fun. <laughs> you know, they, they're like kids playing in the mud. Every one yes. of them. And and so I see the attraction, I really do. Um, so are you curious? You think you're going to do it? Uh, I I am Spartan curious. Um, cool. Yeah, I'm Spartan curious. I am s- nowhere near physically ready to do this, not even close. And so I don't know that even between August and and uh, January that I would be ready to do this, uh, assuming that the San Bernardino Health Department is going to allow it to actually happen. Um, but who knows? January's a ways off. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I find it interesting. I find it interesting. might be fun to go watch and take pictures. I'm good at taking pictures. Well, see, there you go. And I've got a long zoom lens, so I don't have to get up close and muddy. I can take pictures at a distance. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, uh, I would love to be in better shape. That is a goal of mine, and it's nice to have a you know a reason to be getting in better shape to say okay I'm going to do this because at this point I'm going to go do something. But I might be more realistically saying um, I'm going to start training now to go take pictures this January, and maybe then that October race in 2021 I'd be ready to actually compete, or maybe next year in January. You know that kind of thing. Give myself yes. a little bit more reasonable time frame in which to get in shape. Because, I mean, I'm just trying to lose weight so that I don't feel like a walrus, you know, beached in my living room. Uh, so we are going to be doing, the Making Hope Happen Foundation is going to be doing another virtual race, October 15th mm. through November 15th. It's called the Homecoming Hustle. And we'll have more information coming out soon um, uh, about that and, and the ability to sign up. And we're going to, uh, instead of having multiple different levels for different costs we're going to have one level and then you get inside and you can pick the race that you want mm -hmm. um so the different di distance that you want just to make it easy for um uh you know on, on a logistic standpoint just make it easy sure and um you know so anyway we're super super excited about it cool yeah i'm glad to hear that um i use that as great motivation to get off my fanani and do a little bit of walking uh over the summer, and uh, by the time October rolls around, this heat wave will hopefully, yeah. prayerfully have passed, and and uh, uh, you know, be ready to do some more walking. Yeah, it's supposed to be a chilly 113 here today. Isn't that great? Yeah, well, break so out great. your sweaters. Break out your sweaters. <laughs> the wool socks, you know. I might get frostbite. Yeah, it's funny I say that tongue-in-cheek about the wool socks because actually wool socks are great for um, for hot weather because they absorb the sweat and stuff well. And they, they, you know, if you're doing like something like a Spartan, uh, some good wool socks are probably the best thing you could put on your feet regardless of the heat. But um, uh, that said, yeah, it's 113. Don't get in there. <laughs> yeah, so for apparently Yeesh. in this weather, bare feet in my living room <laughs> is what I'll be doing. Yeah. I'm walking yeah. around it. Well, they're actually wool wool slippers, but uh, that's what I walk out to the shack in every morning. I've got really? these like wool clogs. Yeah, they're like quarter inch thick wool clogs that are just super cozy. And then I bought the ones that have sort of the gum rubber bottom on them, so that uh, so that I can walk outside without having to worry about my my. Uh, plus, I live in a house that doesn't have a lot of carpet, so you can imagine wool clogs without some sort of. Uh, sticky bottom on them I would oh be, yeah <laughs> i'd be ice skating and my experience in ice skating is pretty much i spend the whole time on my butt so um <laughs> you know i like to be able to get out of my bed and to the bathroom without killing myself so yeah i got the the shoes with the uh with the sticky bottom so yeah you know um uh yeah. we have tile floors too and uh uh, yeah, if you're wearing socks on the tile floors, you have to have some real good balance. <laughs> yeah, I um, the slippers I have are by a company called Glurups, G-L-E-R-U-P-S, and uh, they're awesome. I highly recommend them to anybody, but they are not cheap slippers. I mean, they're like buying a pair of shoes. They really are. But you buy them once, and you will have them for the rest of your life. 
they are those kind of slippers, you know. So unless your feet are planning to grow and, you know, as I'm creeping up here in age, my feet aren't growing any bigger. My nose and ears might grow, you know, I'll be one of those old guys. But, but my feet are probably <laughs> going to stay the same size. So uh, you know how that is. Yes, I uh, do. But uh, they are super comfy, cozy. And uh, so they're sort of my morning and evening shoes. And I have the open heel uh, version, but they have one that's kind of a boot and another that's kind of just a shoe. But the, I, I kid you not, it's like quarter inch thick um, uh, wool um, uh, felt slippers that are just beyond cozy. Yeah, like they sound really cozy. Yeah, no, I found these and I went, okay, got to get me some of them. So I had to think about how I was going to get them to save up and think about it. And how I was just going to make sure. But I'm like, they'll be good. So, um, yeah, shoes are no fun. Let's talk about food. <laughs> Let's Ooh. talk about food. Let's talk I, about food. I, and maybe we've I think we probably have talked about this. I can't wait till restaurants are open. We can go in their dining rooms. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I know we've talked about this. Uh you know, I um, I had a bowl of pho. Um, I we, I got pho delivered. I did like Grubhub or something, and mm -hmm. I mean it was good, but I had to warm up the soup when I got here. Okay, fine, because you know the soup um, is supposed to be served pretty hot, and um, uh, but it just it just wasn't the same as sitting inside the restaurant. It, it and, was no fun. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's tough to mix in and let things. Uh, kind of cook into the heat of the soup when the soup is lukewarm because it's in a foam container and it was delivered to you it, to yes. the container, you know, 15, 20 minutes ago. Yes. Yeah. You kind of have to yes. zap it before I think you can put anything into it at that point because you need it to be yeah, nice and Yeah, that's steamy. what I did. Yeah. That's what I did because I want the yeah. – I don't want um, – I want the vegetables to be cooked a little bit because, you know, I get I, you know, I get uh -huh. a veggie pho and I want right. the vegetables to be cooked a little bit. And so that it has to be hot for it to do that. I'm like really hot, boiling mm -hmm. hot. And uh, it's just not the same. It's not the same as getting a piping hot bowl. Pardon? You don't do a tofu pho? Well, I do, but I also do the, the, the vegetables in it. Right. Yes. Well, I, okay. so the, I was going to say mo the, most pho that I've had has vegetables in it. And so the tofu would be the the analog to the meat but if you order a veggie pho with uh -huh. tofu then you're going to get other kinds of vegetables I see. you're going to get oh, okay. additional you get vegetables more because vegetables there's no meat additional. gotcha gotcha yeah not something so, i've actually ordered because i always tend to get you know thinly sliced chicken or beef or something but yeah anyhow. and and the, the beef pho, the filet mignon pho is mm. dynamite yeah it's just dynamite um, and they they cut it very thinly, and it mm -hmm. uh, and it cooks the the broth cooks the meat, and it's just because it goes into the soup raw, and uh, uh, yeah, it's just delicious. But I'm vegan now. <laughs> yeah, so bummer. I, I, I get the get get the veggie pho. I tend to get the chicken. So. I like the chicken, um, and in fact, for me, you know, like other than homemade chicken soup, some chicken pho when you're not feeling well is awesome. Uh, yeah, it's bone broth. Yeah, yeah, with it's, you know, it's goodies mixed in. So, yeah, I um, to me that's that's that, and when I'm not feeling well, I either want like a chicken soup or uh, zuppa toscana, which is a, a soup that's available at Olive Garden. 
And it's from one oh. specific experience in my life. We were uh, in Palm Springs. Uh, my parents had a timeshare out there, and it was one of those where, like, you had to use it by the end of the month or they lost their time. And so they said, hey, do you want to use this? And we looked online and said, oh, there's some available in Palm Springs. And it was summer. Um, you know, so uh, kids were off. Uh, wife didn't need to start back to school yet. So we said, sure, we'll just go run out to Palm Springs and spend a week out there, you know, and, uh, and just, you know, see a change of scenery. And we got two rooms with double beds. So we had four beds. Every single one of us had our own bed if we wanted it, which was weird. But um, I immediately started feeling just really, really, really bad. And I basically spent like three days curled up in a fetal position on one of the beds. And, and I stayed in one room, and the family stayed in the other room because they didn't want to catch whatever it is that I had. When I finally started feeling a little bit better, we decided to go out somewhere, and we went to uh, uh, Olive Garden, and that's what I had. I just had some soup, and that soup was so good, and it tasted so good, and it just, like, ingrained in my brain, when you're not feeling good, have some of that soup. Um, and so I have since found the recipe for that soup, and it's awesome. Ooh! Zuppa Toscana. So... I haven't been to an Olive Garden in probably ten years, um, and 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 because the I last been at least three, <laughs> at least five months. <laughs> really? So yeah. there, have, has their food gotten better? Because it, it it was not the highest quality before, which it is was, why I stopped going. It was really good the last time I went. Um, I have not had that experience. Most of the time I have been there, I've had pretty good meals, and so um, I have felt good about my trips there. So and that and they put Alfredo sauce on everything. <laughs> Not if you don't order things with Alfredo sauce. Uh, yes, it just. I don't get I Alfredo just, sauce anywhere because I don't like creamy sauces. So I always get like a, a spicier tomato sauce, something that's more aggressive. Yeah, I don't like creamy sauces either, and especially yeah. Alfredo sauce. Yeah, um, I don't, and so I've I've never had Alfredo sauce there. Oh. So well, I, now I, my wife loves that stuff. She loves Alfredo sauce, and so she, that's what she gets everywhere we go if we're in an Italian place. You know, but ah. to each their own. By the way, Zuppa Toscana, you do some water or uh, bone broth with, with some Yukon gold potatoes, onion, some shredded carrots, pepper. Now, here's where it goes off for the vegans, but you don't have to put it in there. Some strips of bacon chopped and a little bit of Italian sausage. Um, you could put in, um, you know, some beans or something to, to give you a little bit more texture there if you don't want those things. And if you want a little bit of a smoky flavor from bacon, a couple drops of liquid smoke. Um, some heavy cream, not the greatest thing for your health-wise. Um, four to five cups of kale rinsed and stems removed and chopped because that cooks down in it. And the kale is actually really good because kale maintains texture even if you cook the snot out of it. Um, then some salt and peppercorns and garlic and olive oil and stuff and scallions. It's, it's really a good soup. All right. Now, I get the minestrone, which is, which is vegan. Mm -hmm. um, if I, it's, it's been so long. I think it's made with a vegetable broth. Maybe it's mm -hmm. made with a chicken broth. I don't remember. Um, I and you know they of course they have unlimited salad and breadsticks, uh, soup mm -hmm. salad and breadsticks. Um, and so, yeah, I don't mm -hmm. I don't even remember the. I think the last time we went, I think it was with you your family. I'm seriously, it's when our kids were little, so it's more than ten years ago. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'll go back. To see yeah, what it's not some place we go often. I would say maybe two or three times a year max, um, but. Uh, but I've generally had a positive experience every time I've gone, so um, I don't have anything against them. Um, other than the one that was over here in your Belinda got shut down by the health code for health violations, I think. That's what Oops. I seem to remember, Some something like that. And it was like, eh, yeah, maybe you don't go to that one. <laughs> <laughs> 
So um, this news just broke. So President Trump has been teasing that he's going to be pardoning somebody, and the speculation was that it was going to be Edward Snowden that he would be pardoning. And um, he announced today that he will be pardoning Susan B. Anthony, who was arrested in 19 and I'm sorry, in well, gosh, she's got to be relieved. Right. In 1872 for voting in violation of laws permitting only men to vote. See, there was voter. See, he's supporting voter um, uh, fraud as a result of this. <laughs> Dems will say that, that see, he, he's in support of voter fraud. He's excusing people who voted fraudulently. I could just see the news headlines now. Oh, my goodness. I had My brain hadn't gone there, but you're yeah. sure you're right. I, wa- I want to write for the onion. <laughs> Susan so, B. Anthony. Well, there's a there's a, a, a daring reach for somebody to, you know, uh, go out and, and uh, pardon a controversial figure. <clears throat> yeah. I, why? I I don't know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know. I Maybe mean, he was thinking that this would make women like him more. I but don't know. You know, they, they they do historical like they they went back and pardoned Jack Johnson because Jack Johnson uh, was arrested for misogyny because he con- consorted with white women. You know, he's a famous black boxer, uh, turn of the eighteenth century, nineteenth century, um, and uh, and so they pardoned him as well. And it's like misogyny okay. or misogyny. Whichever he consorted with white women, that was the the the. I'm pardon my mispronunciation, um, you know. And it's, I mean, to do something like that for somebody who's been gone a long time, it's sort of like, okay, I guess that maybe some of their living relatives might be glad you did that, but you know, does that really have any impact on anything right now? Not so much. You got to, like you did, go, well, what is the political gain or what is the hopeful political gain of the person who's doing that? You know, (laughs) right. Like that's going to make women feel really good about him. Uh, Yeah. The the women that feel good about him already feel good about him. And those who don't, this ain't going to change it. (laughs) No. No, it's not. So, yeah, I... That's pretty <laughs> Kind Susan of speechless. Yeah. So, yeah. It's like, come on. What do you think about Snowden? Had he pardoned Snowden, what would your feelings be? Um, I have mixed feelings. I uh, do, too. So, you know, I, I – yes, he committed treason. Um, well, he committed – or espionage, you know, by, by releasing classified documents out into the public. He mm-hmm. – um, you know, he broke the law. And mm-hmm. if you're going to protest, if you're going to um, going to engage in civil disobedience, you have to understand that there's that there's going to be consequences to yeah, that. And he didn't that. he didn't face his consequences. Right. Um, now, whether or not he should have done that. You know, we learned a lot about what was going on behind the scenes. Right. Um, a lot of illegal uh, activity. I mean, he exposed yeah. a lot of, of, of absolutely illegal activity. He um, did. And, you know, on for, for his part, he says that he did everything he could within his power walk, to work within the system and was being told, shut up, don't talk about this. Yes. So I, I have mixed feelings. Yeah. I really do. Mm-hmm. 
you know. I'm sure his story is biased towards him, and the government's story is biased towards the government. So, of you know, the truth lies somewhere in between. Um, you know, I know that there are some people who are absolutely like, this guy is a traitor. We should, you know, put him in jail until we have an opportunity to put him to death because he's a traitor. Um, but there are other people who say, you know, there's all kinds of horrible things our government was doing, and while professing to be the land of the free and the home of the brave, uh, that we wouldn't know about if, if he hadn't stepped up as a patriot and said, this is wrong. And, you know, as to, like, he made stuff public, he very carefully selected, and he has said this, that they went to what he considered legitimate news sources like the New York Times and stuff, where they could then be vetted by, by um, uh, news agencies as to what is and is not appropriate for release to the public, but that he didn't have the means to do that. And so he said, let me get it to some news agencies who can contact the authorities and say, hey, we have this information. Um, you tell us what you don't think we should be releasing because we don't want to put people in bad spots, but by the same token, we're going to release this. So, you know, you tell us where the lines are. And, you know, and those news agencies as they could. Um, yes. But I know we... I think it. I think it, and, and I could be wrong on the specific. I believe that there were some names released of people who were um, providing information to the U.S. government that lived or were actual, you know, nationals of other countries, and we put their lives at at risk. And in fact, I think somebody was put to death, like in Iraq or something like that, as a result of the Snowden releases. So, you know, that's got to be on his head. If, if my memory serves yes. me correct, and I could be wrong. No, I think you're right, and I'm trying to remember, um, you know, it, it, that it, this isn't a black and white issue. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I um, yeah, I, I think he handled it as, as responsibly as he felt he could, um, but he was adamant that, that he needed to stop the illegal activity. And, you know, if, if you know, we don't want vigil, vigilanteism, but... You know, I, I this is where I this is why I say I have mixed feelings, because I, I find myself arguing both sides at the same time. Um, you know, I think maybe there needs to be a better a better process within the agency to be able. You know, I think, you know, the military and the CIA and the NSA and, you know, that there needs to be maybe there's a wing of the FBI or maybe there's something where uh, a whistleblower can go and say illegal things are happening. Mm -hmm. um, and right now, I don't think that infrastructure exists. So he felt that he had no choice but to go to news agencies. Yeah. You know, so, you know, therein lies the challenge. Yeah, there's, um, I, I can't, I, because it's on the Washington Post, I'm blocked from getting the whole thing. But I guess Robert Samuelson is, is somebody who was uh, outed by Snowden when in a compromising position and location. And so, um, you know. There are consequences, and sometimes you're not the one who has to bear the consequences, and so right. you have to be at least responsible for the consequences that you pushed upon somebody else. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Although, that said, he's also, I mean, it, it's not like his life is a bowl of cherries. Yeah, he's not in a prison somewhere, but he has been basically booted from his country, can't travel or move or see family because... Uh, if he comes out, of, you know, if he moves to to the wrong place, then he will be picked up and sent back to the United States, and so he's basically, you know, living in Russia. Um, yeah, he, yes, 
Oh, go ahead. Until they get sick of him, and yeah. then they'll ask him to leave, and then where will he go? Exactly. You know, he's he's in a tough spot um, that he created, and so a- and and if you've listened to him speak, he's an incredibly bright and intelligent person. This is not something that he took lightly. He decided to do this. It was a thoughtful decision. He understood what he was doing, um, and and I'm sure he has thought through his options and what he would have to do if if um, uh, Russia were to say, okay, we're done with you. You can't stay here anymore. You have 48 hours to pack up and go. Um, you know, although um, I think he was originally given an X number of years stay, and he then had to just now recently ask for an extension, and that was granted. So I don't know that that's an issue at the time for the time being, being that Russia is a um, uh, you know one man rule oligarchy. Um, you know they can change their mind at the drop of a hat, but you know if, if, if it becomes politically uh, expedient for them to to trade into the United States, then they'll do exactly that. Um, but uh, you know it's. It's not like he bum fumbled his way into this. No. Know, if you've listened hey, to him speak, way, he knew. <laughs> do you hear? I hear what I think is my voice playing somewhere. Do you hear that? <laughs> you know what I just did? This is ridiculous. I actually leaned forward and turned my ear towards the microphone as if that was going to make me hear it better. That was so weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm listening to the microphone that I'm talking into to see if I can hear you better. No, I don't hear you at all. <laughs> I mean, I hear you when you talk, but I don't hear like anything in the background or any kind of feedback or anything. Um, when you oh, first, isn't that interesting? Because I am totally hearing it. When you first, I mean, you've arrived back at home, correct? Yes. Okay. It's. I think when you first arrived at home, I heard something in the background, like sound like uh, somebody talking, like a television or something, but it came and went. Oh, we don't have any television. I'm the only one home. Right. So so there was some sound I heard that was maybe some sort of feedback or something playing somewhere, but it disappeared quickly. Um, and I haven't heard it since. So Interesting. So, interesting, yeah. interesting, interesting. Technology, go figure. So the North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un has ordered pet dogs to be confiscated in the country's capital, saying the pooches represent Western decadence. But their owners fear Fido is really headed for someone's dinner table, which is likely what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, uh, Kim issued the directive in July to round up pets, claiming they were part of a tainted trend by bourgeois ideology. Um, and so ordinary people raise pigs and livestock on their porches, but high-ranking officials and the wealthy own pet dogs, which stokes some resentment among the lower classes. Authorities have identified households with pet dogs, and are forcing them to give up or forcefully confiscating them and putting them down. Free meals. So, <laughs> while, while, but while the oppressive regime's, regime says the move is to clamp down on capitalist extravagance in Pyongyang, the dog owners are fearful that given North Korea's food shortage and propensity for eating dog meat, the directive has only come, uh, uh, has only come about to feed the masses. Yeah. Um, the dog owners are cursing Kim Jong Un behind his back, but otherwise their hands are tied. Um, and I don't because if they curse, because the, if they don't curse him behind their back, their hands will be tied. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly, precisely. <sighs> yeah, if you curse him in front of his face, your hands will be tied. You will be <laughs> taken away to be re-educated. Um, 
I don't know how you can eat a dog. I really don't. And because they are, they are these kind, they just want to love you creatures. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know how, I don't know how, how you eat a dog. I that said, don't. I've had a few tacos and burritos in Mexico, so there's no guaranteeing that I haven't. But, um, uh, yeah, it, it, <laughs> it's not something I would do with intent. Um, yeah. That said, if it was already cooked and on the plate, it's like, well, I can't do anything for the dog now. And it's right yeah, there. Fido's already dead. But Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't, like, order it if it was on the menu because I don't want to perpetuate the idea that that's okay in my book. You know, that said, as a meat eater, I recognize that, that, that um, you know, that there are, you know, you, all you have to do is spend time watching, you know, pigs interact and cows interact. And, and it's like, these are, these are, you know, animals that, that clearly, you know, they're not just reactionary, like stimulus reaction beings they 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 make decisions and they you know prefer this over that and have preferences and and baby cows find mamas and you know and it's you know it's it's a nasty business us meat eaters it is yeah it that, well and and so i i became a vegan for health reasons um and but but that that part of of eating animals that i love i mean i i love animals i love mm-hmm cows and pigs and you know uh birds and dogs and cats and everything and um you know not not too fond of bats i mean i think they're cool i think they're interesting but yeah i wouldn't cuddle a bat but mm-hmm. um you know so eating them to me is is you know you, i could never slaughter one having said that if it came down to my survival or or the the cow then i'm going to survive right and so you know i, I don't judge people who eat meat yeah, I mean so. that's that's sort of my feeling is is that in a perfect world we wouldn't, but um, but you know it's a um, I I believe that we are sort of naturally omnivores, much like our pig friends, and uh, oh yeah, I think we are. Yeah, you know, we are. And and so, eh. hey, um, you ever a fan of Rum DMC? Not really. I mean, kind of, but not really. I'm not yeah. a big hip-hop fan. The one big song when they did the crossover with uh, with um, Aerosmith, right? The one that everybody goes like, yes. yeah, I like them. I remember that song. That was a good one. Um, and everything else, you go like, eh, you know, Christmas in the Hollow, maybe. Um, <laughs> you know, um, Jam Master Jay was killed in 2002. Uh, he was um, uh, Jason Mazel was shot and killed in Queens, New York, according to... Uh, near a recording studio uh, nearly 18 years ago. He was 37 years old. And this week, federal and New York officials announced uh, that they had uh, Ronald Washington and Carl Jordan Jr. were indicted on charges for his murder uh, while engaged in narcotics trafficking and firearm-related issues. Jordan is charged with several additional narcotics distribution counts. They were arrested on Sunday and expected to be arraigned via video conference on Monday. So, um, yeah. So they were drug dealers. So 18 years after the fact, they uh, are being charged with the cold-blooded murder of Jason Mazzella, brazen act that has finally caught up with them, thanks to dedicated detectives, agents, and prosecutors who never gave up on the case, said acting United States Attorney Seth Ducharme. Charm. 
said in, an, in a press release. The charges announced today begin to provide a measure of justice to the family and friends of the victim and make clear that the rule of law will, will be upheld whether it takes days, months, or decades. So um, I hope that they have uh, the proper evidence to, to make their case and that if these guys did it, that they put them away. Cause, uh, yeah, yeah, no kidding. You know, um, I mean, it's horrible when anybody is killed. You never want to see people die in, in, uh, needlessly. It's just, you know, it's, it's a horrible thing. But it's always one of those things that sticks in your mind when it's an artist that you know or know of and you go like, they're silenced forever, you know. Um, the, the art that they create is missed in addition to the, the life that was lost. And so, um, you know, everybody's poorer for it. And, uh, yeah, so I hope they, I'm glad to hear they got the guys. So are they going to get the, you know, find the, uh, the killers of Tupac and Biggie, too? Don't know, but you know those cases are probably still open and somebody's out there looking. Yep. You know, I, I, and, and let's, let's hope they track it down. You know, it's amazing the things that they're able to do now with, with um, uh, genetic evidence that they couldn't do 10 years ago, much less 20 years ago. Um, who knows what they'll be able to do, you know, 10 years from now. In, in tracking down stuff. And that's why in a lot of these, um, you know, evidence lockers, they still have like the, you know, the T-shirts and the, and the, the you know, the, the gun casings. And the, they keep that stuff locked away because they can go back and test it later when they've got better science to, to track it down. And so um, one can only hope. One can one, only hope. Yeah. So we are completely out of time. We are. Time is gone. And I wanted to talk about Burning I'm Man, man. <laughs> okay, we'll talk about Bernie tomorrow. No, not Bernie. That's Burning Man. That's good news about being on every day. Burning Man. Not Bernie. Oh, Burning Man. <laughs> not Bernie. I How do you said go? Bernie. I want to talk about Bernie, man. No, Burning Man. <laughs> 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 it's a very different thing. Bernie and yes, Burning Man well, are very... I don't know. I think a lot of Bernie bros are out of Burning Man. Probably. Probably. <laughs> Can you imagine so, Burning Man well, out in the desert right now? You wouldn't have to light a fire. Everything's already on fire. <laughs> Seriously, Holy seriously. Moly. Yeah. But everybody's high, so they don't care. Yeah. So what, man? Blisters are cool. <laughs> um, so anyway, thanks for joining us today. We'll be back again tomorrow. My name is Todd Brinker. And I'm Aaron Brinker. Have a that great was a day, everybody. Long pause. <laughs> Have a good one. <laughs> Thank you.